0: Welcome to today's episode. I am reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1964 titled God Has a Purpose. Reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1964 titled God Has a Purpose. Neville tells his audience tonight's subject is God has a purpose. An infinite purpose and no one will thwart it. But within the framework of his purpose, you and I could have unnumbered objectives, and no one really could thwart it if we really understand this law. The law that was given to us, how we, too, can realize these purposes. A purpose, in a strict sense, is a deliberate conceived plan proposing a certain action or a plan to be executed within that action. Now tonight, let us take it first in the most simple way. Many months ago, I asked a very simple question. Why? Why did you create the universe? Just why? I never doubted that there is a God, for I've stood in the presence of the Ancient of Days. But why? And the voice came from the very depth, hatching, just hatching. So the very end of it is all hatching. Hatching what? He's hatching out himself. Who, by looking at a little worm, one of these little caterpillars, could ever predict his future as a painted butterfly? Who, by looking at an egg, not knowing the contents, could predict the beauty of the peacock or maybe another beautiful, beautiful bird? Who, by looking at a man, could predict Jesus Christ? Who, in this world, by looking at a man, could see that man is but the egg, and out of man will come Jesus Christ. Not one will fail, for his purpose is that none, not one will be lost in all my holy melted. But within the framework of his purpose, you and I can take the same technique, and we cannot fail. Now it is for hatching. Well, we are not nesting correctly if we ever fall asleep in any nest other than the feeling of the wish fulfilled. For at night all the birds return to their nest. Through the day they have intervals upon that nest. But you must remember that there is on that nest that you built as you prepared it or you conceived it. It's a deliberate constructive plan on which you will sit. As we are told in Habakkuk, I will stand upon my watch and see what the Lord will say unto me and what I will answer. The next verse, every seed really has its own appointed hour, for he's telling us that all the visions, well, the vision is simply your little seed or your egg. The vision has its own appointed hour, it ripens, it will flower. If it be long, then wait, for it is sure, and it will not be late. Habakkuk 2.3 For there are different time intervals for all the different eggs of the world. I may have an egg based upon a yearly income, or an egg, based upon a weekly income, or a monthly income, if I take it over a long period of time, well then wait. If the first day, week, month, or even the first six months are slow, but I am faithful to that egg, which is a yearly income, at the end of the the year I will look back upon the most fantastic year I've ever had. So in the course of a day I will fly from that nest and do all kinds of things and forget. But at night, let me return to that nest and keep that seed warm, keep that egg warm. And then do, as we're told in Habakkuk, I will stand upon my watch, and I will watch to see what the Lord will say unto me, and what I will answer. Well, then the Lord is simply the whole vast world pushed out, for the Lord is, I am. So I am sitting on this state, and then I look upon my world, my world is myself fragmented, and that is what the Lord is saying unto me. When I think of my friends and see them mentally in my mind's eye, what are they saying? Are they congratulating me? Am I accepting their gra- their praise graciously? Well, then I will now sit upon this nest and fall asleep in this assumption, in this state, for I am standing upon my watch and watching to see and to hear what the world, the Lord, will say unto me and what I will answer. What is my response when they say what they must say seeing me as their friend so, so successfully lifted up in this world? So if you will do that night after night, no power in the world can stop me from bringing forth from that egg, which is simply my assumption, all that it is implying, if I will do it, I may leave it and not really sit upon the egg, We have seen that in all the barnyards of the world for eggs are dropped and no one thinks in terms of ever warming them or incubating the egg. But you and I, if I know what purpose really means, purpose in the strict sense is a deliberately conceived plan proposed for action or executed in it. I plan a campaign and that action, but not only the action, something must be executed in it. Why am I planning the campaign? To sell merchandise? I plan a campaign or plan the campaign of war. Why? That I may be victorious in this action. So I will execute this plan in the action that I have now proposed. While the action is simply this night, I will stand upon my watch and watch to see what and hear what he will say unto me and how I will answer. Knowing in my heart that the vision has its own appointed hour, it ripens it will flower, and if it to me it seems long, then let me wait, of it is sure, and it will not be late. So I simply stand on my nest and go to sleep in that state. If in the course of a day I can't come back to it too often, it won't addle. If I am faithful night after night it won't addle. Just before I came on the platform, not more than one minute before, my very dear friend, who is here this night, she said about two years ago, a friend of hers won what she called, I have never heard of this award before until tonight, it's called a Lulu. It's like an Oscar in the fashion world. And so it is given to some lady in the fashion field, whether you be in department stores, TV, radio, well, any aspect of displaying your fashion. She said when the friend... Won it all win one too. She did it just as lightly as that, but she did something about it, and tonight she brought it. It's in her purse, this lovely Lulu. It's a little statuette, a first prize for her work. Only recently has she joined the May Company, and so for the May Company, she's been doing all of their displays, all of their advertising, and she won the Lulu. Just did it naturally, and this is not just for this city. Every state west of the Mississippi is within that picture of the Lulu. So I tell you, sit upon your nest and let it hatch out. Everything comes out this way, but if you don't have a definite objective, well, you can't. So that you either succeed or that you fail. But God has a purpose and his purpose is to bring forth from man Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is God himself. He's bringing out of us Jesus Christ. He will not fail. As we are told, as I have planned it, so shall it be. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. Isaiah 14.24 And the anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intent of his mind. In the latter days you will understand it clearly. Jerusalem 23.20 In the latter days, you will understand why you went through all the things in this world. Because out of you is coming, actually coming, Jesus Christ. He could not emerge from man were he not actually present in man. So at this very moment, he's buried in every being in the world, and God is bringing him forth. When he brings him forth, he brings forth himself, and it's you. But while he is bringing him forth, he has given us his own talent. The talent of using our imagination to create everything in this world. A letter given me this past week from this young lad who is here tonight. He said, "I found myself in high school, and my teacher—my teacher was the Latin teacher. Her name was Miss Divine. And as I entered, there was an examination taking place, and so I sat. And on the board were two columns. There were twenty-one problems." On the right side, there were from 0 to 10, say, 11 problems. On the left side, from 11 to 20. Down in the middle of the column on the right side, there were two words that I had to define. They were separated by a word which I couldn't quite discern, but the two words were crucifixion and resurrection. The left-hand column, there were from 11 to 20, and I couldn't discern the word, save 2. And the words were map and route. And so I took my paper and began to define crucifixion. And I defined it by quoting the words of Paul from the second chapter of Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me, verse 20. That's how he put down the definition of crucifixion. Then he discovered that his paper wasn't big enough for all the answers, so he turned to Miss Divine. Bear in mind the name of his teacher, Divine. So he turned to Miss Divine and asked her for permission to go and get a piece of paper. She said to him, go to my desk and get a piece of paper. So he did. He came back with a larger sheet. On his way back, he realized that in his pockets were all the answers to all these questions on a smaller piece of paper. So he sat down and tried to transfer from the smaller piece of paper to the test paper all of the answers. And then suddenly the test was halted and and then all the test papers were collected. Then Miss Devine began to read the answers as she got all these test papers together. And she turned first to the left-hand column to the words map and route. And she said, Neville Goddard has the map and the correct route. If anyone wants the map and the correct route, let them go to Neville Goddard. With that, it was all dismissed, and then he took his papers and tore them up into shreds and started towards the exit to throw them "'into the wastebasket. "'She asked him for the papers. "'At first he said no, "'and then she glared at him, "'and with that he gave her "'these torn pieces of paper. "'Then, with his books in his hands, "'towards the exit he walked out, "'saying to himself, "'I am expelled. "'Then it was early in the morning, "'so he awoke, "'wrote the whole thing down in detail "'as I've just told it to you, "'and then fell asleep. "'And this is the epilogue. "'The epilogue is marvelous.' He heard a voice, and the voice was the voice of the bro- or the voice of the broadcaster, the announcer of the angels, the baseball game. Bear in mind, they're the angels, not the Dodgers. They're the angels, and this Don Whale said, "This is the fourth game that the angels have played in the last twenty-four hours, and there are four hundred people present." Well, four hundred is the numerical symbol or symbolic value of a cross. Remember, he defined only one word. He defined crucifixion. The 400 were present. So he defined the crucifixion in his test, and then there were four games, that's the fourth letter, which is Daleth, which is the door. He said, I am the door. Anyone who comes through any other way other than through this door, I am the door, is a thief and a robber, John ten 9. 24 in the mystical Hebrew is a horse, it's a mind, and that is a mind. The whole thing is coming out of the mind of man, it's the mind that man has to control, that is the horse. The unbridled beast must be broken in by man and ridden by man himself, and so he found the horse, told in the form of a number, in 24 hours. He found the door, I am the door, in the form of a number, four games. You wouldn't play four games in 24 hours, and then there were 400 people present. They do vet very, very small audiences, I grant you that, but not 400. They haven't fallen that low, but bear in mind they were angels. They were not Yankees, not these angels. All of, all of this is symbolism. Well, what strikes me forcefully in the entire picture is not that Miss Devine, there's the name, she's the teacher, said that Neville Goddard has the map and the correct route. I love that in the picture. But what really to me is significant in the entire vision is this quote from Paul in the definition of the crucifixion. For when I stood in the presence of the Ancient of Days and he asked me, what is the greatest thing in this world, I too quoted Paul. I answered in the words of Paul, faith, hope, and love. These three abide, but the greatest of these is love, 1 Corinthians 13:13. 13, 13. At that, infinite love embraced me, and I fused with him, and became one forever with the body of God. And I wonder, after his letter to me, do we all answer in the words of Paul? I am asking a question. He shared with me his experience. I hope you all will share with me your experience when a similar vision takes place with you. For I answered in the words of Paul, and he answered in the words of Paul. He answered in one question the crucifixion. And it came up in the epilogue. There were 400 people present at the angel game, and that's the crucifixion. And so when you think the greatest figure in Christendom is Paul, really? Who has done for Christianity what Paul has done? You ask yourself a thousand times over, who then is the one who first awoke? Who is he that awoke? If we read the Gospels and the Evangelist are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, anonymous names, unknown completely unknown, no one knows who they are, and then you ask yourself this question concerning this fantastic creature that is Paul, the little one. Paul means little, and he is the little one. Then he tells you that I am a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin means son of the right hand. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thee at my right hand, until I make of thee... Of thy enemies a footstool for thee, Hebrews one thirteen and Matthew twenty two forty four. You ask all kinds of things go through the mind concerning who is this one that we call the little one, that is Paul. He never denied his faith, in fact he insisted that his religion was not a new religion, it was the fulfillment of one as old as the faith of Abraham. He never gave up the Hebrew religion, he only saw the flower, the fulfillment of it. To him, the whole thing was the unfolding of all that was prophesied and promised to Abraham. So Christianity was simply the fulfillment of the faith of Abraham. We have, in the Western world, these three great religions. The religion of Islam, which is complete kismet, fatality, complete. They call themselves, most of them are named, and there are 400,000 of them. Abdullah, slave of Allah, complete slave of Allah. Then comes this great rock, the Hebrew religion, and it begins with faith, Abraham. He believed the promise made by God, God would fulfill, and he was able to fulfill it, and the promise was an heir. All the way through, the promise continues in changing form. I will raise up after you a son that will come forth from your body. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Second Samuel 7.12 That's the promise made to us. Raise up out of us a son that will be God's son. God will be his father, and that which he pulls out of us will be his son. Something so unlike the form that we see here, and unlike the form called the man as a butterfly, as unlike the caterpillar, as unlike this glorious winged creature to the egg. So we are told in Philippians, our country is in heaven, from which we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will reform and change our lovely body to be like his glorious body, by the power by which he is able even to subject all things to himself. Philippians 3.20 The word translated change to be like means literally to be of one form with him. Actually something is coming out of every being in this world that is Jesus Christ. And the form is a glorious form that is the form of God. Return unto me the glory that was mine, the glory that I had with thee before that the world was. John 17.5 So he gives man himself, he brings out of man his egg himself, he is hatching it out, and he is faithful. All he is asking of us that we be as faithful, or to try to be as faithful as we can to our modified desires, as he is to his grand scheme. Which is to bring forth out of man himself. For he's bringing out of man himself, no one's going to fail because we aren't doing it. But while he's bringing it out, he's asking us to take the talent that he gave us while we are being turned over and over in this world, to take that talent and become what we want to be in this world. Do it for ourselves or do it for others. You can take any being in this world if you are faithful. And the faithful time is when you have or when you have to or when you have the unbroken few hours of the night. Just as you are settling down to retire into the deep and you know the day's over, and you're simply going to relax into some state. Take that moment and then stand upon your watch and view the world to see what the Lord is going to say unto you. The Lord being the fragmented I am. Everything that you're doing, you're saying I am doing it. So that's the Lord viewing his fragmented I am. Everything that you're doing, you're saying I am doing it. So that's the Lord viewing his fragmented self and see what it is saying to you. Is it sympathizing? Get off that nest. Is it now with great empathy? All right, good. Are they rejoicing with you, all of them, because of your good fortune? Stay on that nest and go sound to sleep mentally has its own appointed hour. It is ripening and it will flower. And if to you, because of your anxiety, it seems long, you know you must wait for what you're doing is sure. And it will not be late. So we're told that his promise is faithful and sure. These promises are not some little thing done because of some emergency. They were done of old and they are faithful and sure, we are told. Not something that suddenly, because of some plan in the world of man, that God is now Himself. Philippians three twenty. The word translated "change" to be like means literally to be one, or to be of one form with Him. Actually, something is coming out of every being in this world that is Jesus Christ, and the form is that glorious form that is the form of God. Return unto me the glory that was mine, the glory that I had with thee before that the world was, John seventeen five. So he gives man himself; he brings out of man his egg himself. He is hatching it out, and he is faithful. All he is asking of us that we be as faithful, or try to be as faithful as we can, as we can to our modified desires, as he is to his grand scheme which is to bring forth out of man himself. For he's bringing out of man himself. No one's going to fail because we aren't doing it. But while he's bringing it out, he's he's asking us to take the talent that he gave us while we are being turned over and over in this world to take that talent and become what we want to be in this world. Do it for ourselves or do it for others. You can take any being in this world if you are faithful. And the faithful time is when you have the unbroken few hours of the night, just as you are settling down to retire into the deep, and you know the day's over, and you're simply going to relax into some state. Take that moment and then stand upon your watch and view the world to see what the Lord is going to say unto you. The Lord, being the fragmented I am, everything that you're doing, you're saying, I am doing it? So that's the Lord viewing his fragmented self and see what it is saying to you. Is it sympathizing? Get off that nest. Is it now with great empath? All right, good. Are they rejoicing with you, all of them? Because of your good fortune? Stay on that nest and go sound asleep, viewing the world from your watchtower, knowing in your heart that what you are sitting on mentally has its own appointed hour. It is ripening, and it will flower, and if to you, because of your anxiety, it seems long, you know you must wait, for what you're doing is sure, and it will not be late. So we're told that his promise is faithful and sure. These promises are not some little thing done because of some emergency, Were done of old. And they are faithful and sure, we are told, not something that suddenly, because of some plan in the world of man, That God is now instituting some emergency thinking. No, his plans are of old. Man has allowed all the freedom in the world to make all the mistakes in the world. Perfectly all right. He will correct it. He doesn't condemn man, he corrects man. He corrects all kinds of things but allows us within the framework of his purpose to do anything in this world that we desire. He doesn't have the same code that man tries to impose upon man. He allows us quite a wide range of everything in this world. So I say God has a purpose, and his purpose is to bring forth himself out of his egg called man. But while the egg called man is living in the world of Caesar, he allows it to use a certain talent. The talent is a gift he gave of himself, which is man's imagination. Man can take his imagination and create anything in this world. You think of the story of the Lulu. I never heard of it until tonight. So she brought it to her purse and picked it up. It's like an Oscar. It is an Oscar to those who are in her profession. And this covers the entire waterfront. This is not confined to department stores. It isn't confined to TV or to radio or to moving pictures, but to every aspect of the art world where ladies are involved in fashion. And she gets it. She's only been there a few months, and she gets it because she wanted it, and she knows the principle. And the others who I think, by her own confession, will be equally talented, they didn't know the principle. So they didn't sit upon the nest and simply view it as she did. So she sat upon the nest. So I say to every one of you, don't get off that nest until it hatches out, and then go for a bigger nest, and a still bigger nest. If anyone tells you that you shouldn't want things Turn a deaf ear to them. Completely turn a deaf ear to them. You're not going to be enslaved by things if you know this principle. You'll get things and be quite willing to drop them off or drop them on the way. But you'll simply test your talent. You're exercising your talent, and a talent that isn't exercised is like the limb that is not exercised. It atrophies it does, and so day after day you must take your dreams your noble purposes, and simply settle down and nest them and simply bring them to pass in your world. Everyone will hatch out, for we are told, Not one is lost in all my holy mountain. Not one child born of woman will ever fail to bring forth what God has demanded. And God demands for one thing, I will raise up out of you a son that will come forth from your body. I will be his father and he shall be my son. That son will say of his father, I and my father are one, because he is the creative power and wisdom of God. John 10.30 So when he comes forth personified, he will say of the very power that drew him out of the body, I am the power and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1.24 I am he, you are he, and everyone will come out. Not one will fail. So I tell you, try it, try it over and over, and don't ever admit failure. Don't for one moment admit it. The most impossible thing in this world, still try it. For he will, we will, or for here, we will not accept paganism. We will start for, with Israel. That's where the whole creative world starts, really, and it's based upon faith. Christianity is the fulfillment. If an Orthodox Jew will not believe that it happened all right, he will eventually. At least he has the faith that it is going to happen. But I tell you that it has happened. But I will go back now to that definition of my friend Tom with the crucifixion and go to another aspect of it, which you find in the sixth chapter of Romans. He took his from the second chapter of Galatians. But the sixth chapter of Romans... If we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. First five. So now Paul, the same grand Paul who is now, or is now saying, to his what he calls my son Timothy, and he said, there are those who are teaching that the resurrection is past already. They are misleading the people, and turning them from their faith. Second Timothy two eighteen. His condemnation of those who said it was passed already once and for all, for all is well. You can't quite describe the condemnation. Uncompromising. It's not passed once and for all. It took place. It is taking place, and will continue to take place until everyone gives up that Son of God. It's the Son of God in man that is buried. That man, or that makes man alive. Were it not for the Son of God and Man, then there would be no living being in this world. So, if I have been crucified with Him, all right, I have enjoyed that death. I'm crucified with Him, and in that crucifixion, I have union with Him. Now, certainly, I will also be unit or united with Him in a resurrection like this. Well, I can tell you from experience, it hasn't happened to, or it has happened to me. So I know the joy of the union in my crucifixion with him, and now I experience the joy in my resurrection with him. It's one. I do not differ from any child that walks the face of this earth. We're all one. I can't share with you that body, which he has transformed to be like his glorious body. I tried it once and didn't quite succeed in revealing the glory of the body that is one, but she's not far off from seeing it for herself. But here is some most fantastic glory. The joy of this body? Human face, yes, I will recognize you. Certainly forever and forever. But I can't describe the glory of the body. It's something entirely different. So we are subject to this humiliation of these bodies of blood, bodies of flesh, but not for long. And so if someone this night, like my friend Tom, who has had this experience, and you will say, well, why should we have it? No one knows Tom's background. No one knows how long he has been treading this wine press in this world. No one knows it. And so if in many ways you may think he is young or even limited in expression, don't. Because a minute hap- the minute it happens to one, limitations fall away. These things that seem so wonderful here that we are acquired through labor will not be used. Because it's all then a creative power and operation. So don't judge anyone. And may I tell you, if perchance you should entertain such a thought, bear in mind the story of Job. Job's story is the story of man. Here is the most cruel experiment ever performed of an innocent being, that which is performed on Job. Job, in the very end, didn't condemn the Lord. He thought the Lord was justified in everything that he did. And then he turned from himself, for he felt sorry for himself, and he prayed for his friends. And as he prayed for his friends, his own captivity was lifted. Job 42.10 So turn from self to a friend and wish them well. Well, that's really what love is, to wish a friend well, and sincerely wish him well. May I tell you what will happen to you? You'll simply bloom. Out of the nowhere, things that are now hidden from you will come into view, and they're all yours by sincerely wishing a friend well. So when Job turned from himself, I lost my place. One second. Oh, so when Job turned from himself and prayed for his friend, his own captivity was lifted. So that is what we're here to do: turn to someone this night. I don't care who who he is, who she is, and see them in your mind's eye in some blessed state, and. Feel the thrill that would be yours as a friend because they are what you're now representing them to yourself as being. Someone once said, and for years I had to agree with them, and even to this day I would go along with them, that if someone has heard, a thousand more Russian sympathy. And if some member of the neighborhood falls heir to a fantastic fortune, you don't find the joy, you find envy. So we have so many words to express sympathy, compassion and all these things, but possibly only one, which is not a good, not a good word in a sense because it isn't known. You speak of empathy. How many people even know what the meaning of the word is when you use it? So it isn't used. It's used in cultural society among the educated. They know the meaning of the word, but they don't use it because it's not in use. They will use it in their writing and someone reading their works will rush to the dictionary for definition of the word because we're not given to rejoicing with those who have good fortune smile upon them. In fact, one of the disciples whose name is only mentioned among the twelve, he's not mentioned saying that he's one of the twelve, is Thaddeus, and Thaddeus means praise. It's so little exercised by man that there is no story of Thaddeus in the Bible. He's only called he is called, he has to be part of the awakened man, for the awakened man must have Thaddeus within him within him, awake. But in the actual story, he isn't there, he's only named among them, and he's the tenth disciple, and the word is praise. How many of us can rejoice when we hear of the good fortune of another? We wonder, why didn't it happen to me? That's the reaction. You read it in the morning's paper, someone won 150000 with a $2 bet, some daily double in Florida or someplace or down in Caliente, and instantly you say, I wish I had it. No one thinks of the joy in that household. That moment when he goes home to his family with $100,000 in cash, we think, why didn't I make it? So really, empathy is an empty word until it becomes so alive that we use it as frequently As we use sympathy, we can sympathize with one who lost his home because he had a hot tip and put the house down on the horse that didn't come in. We can sympathize with his wife at home who must now give up the house, but we cannot rejoice with her when he comes home with the fortune. So Job rejoiced in the good fortune of his friends, and as he did so, his own captivity was lifted. So to come back to our theme, which is God, has a purpose. That end you can accept as Abraham accepted it. He's heard the promise, he believed it. And then in spite of the hell of the 400 years in this land where he was a stranger, where he was a slave of slaves, he still remembered the promise. He believed the one who promised was capable of fulfilling that promise. And then he rejoiced that he was to see my day. He saw it and was glad, John 856 and went through, fell faithful to the promise made to him by God. And so you become that. I tell you, he's coming out of you, one that is completely glorified. And the body he wears is a body of God, not some little tiny thing. Something is coming out of all of us that is the most glorified thing in this world. It's an immortal body, and the body is a body of God. But before it comes out, and you wear it, and you are one of the immortals, or you are still... Telling the story and moving through the world of Caesar, use the same talent to play your own part of sitting on your nest. Night after night, take the most glorious idea. If you're in business, augment it, double it, trouble it. Let no one tell you that you're too hungry, you're too anxious. Forget what they're saying. You double it. You're making X number of thousands a year, double it. You trouble it and test God and see if it doesn't work. And so when you go to bed this night, you sit on your nest of an income and you name it. And then stand upon your watch and see what God is saying to you. And God speaks to you through the faces of every person in this world that you contemplate. So you think of me, and you've just written me the most fantastic letter for your good fortune. And hear me tell it from the platform. So think of me this night telling from the platform your good fortune. Think of your mother, if you have one in this world. Or if not in this world, she's still in this world, you know, for the world is simply sections within sections. So think of her. Don't think because she's not physically present, she's not aware of it. Think of her and let her see your good fortune. Let all of your friends see your good fortune. And go to bed sitting on that view of things, which view implies the fulfillment of your desire. And see how it comes to pass. It may take 24 hours, some things hatch out in 24 hours, some things hatch out in a week, some things in a month, some things six months, a year. I do not know the time interval of your desire, but your desire, your mere wish is an egg. You laid it, your wish, you laid an egg. I mean in the true creative sense, not in the theatrical sense. And so, you have an egg and then you simply sit upon your egg, bring it to pass, Let the whole thing come out in this fabulous world of yours. Now, let us go into the silence. Okay, so there we have Novel Goddard's lecture from 1964, titled, God Has a Purpose. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. I'll see you guys next time. Bye now.